That was hands down my most amazing stretch of this whole ride. It was just, I went through this hill forest. It was just mind-blowingly beautiful. It was just like a biker's dream. Just little asphalt roads, little windy roads in lots of nature. And it was like you just traveled back a hundred years in time. You know, it's just like little mud shacks and buffaloes and chickens and people living in like mud houses and picking stuff and just quiet and there's nothing and nobody. It was just so beautiful. I swear I nearly started crying. It was so beautiful. It was mm -hmm. like I was just looking around me thinking, oh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, this is why I love to ride Enfields in India. Biker Radio Broadcast advises safety at all times. Discusses underage riding but celebrates the spirit of motorcycling. And how? to episode number 31 of the Biker Radio Broadcast, India's exclusive podcast on motorcycling, bringing to you stories of heroic riders, legendary mechanics, and iconic brands, one story at a time. I'm Sunny. And I'm Shandy. And today, we feature our first international woman rider on the long way home. Pretty much an after party of the International Women's Day. In 2006, a reluctant tourist signed up to visit India and has since never left. She became a desi, enjoying the spectacle that was on offer. Her father helped her learn the motorcycle and since then she's out with Snoopy, her 350 Royal Enfield, traveling the length and breadth of our highways. She's a free soul, a traveler, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a vegetarian, an animal lover, a psychology student, a biker and an irrefutable Indophile. Please welcome our first international woman rider on the Biker Radio Broadcast, Noah von den Eich, or Noah of the Oak. Welcome to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Welcome to the long way home. Thank you. Thank you. What a lovely name and the genealogy is also fantastic. Israel. Yeah. Do you carry some of that with you? I do. I do. My mom's grandparents, they came from Iran on a donkey to Israel. Wow. Yeah. And uh, she's like very, you know, you can tell that she's Persian Israeli. So oh. she gave those genes to me. Okay. And actually a couple of years ago, I was out somewhere in a big hall. I was, I was watching a choir sing yeah. all the way on the other side. And this woman looks at me and she goes, you're Persian. And she starts speaking to me in Persian, in Farsi. And I was like, wow, 
that's that's how Persian like my genes are that it comes mm-hmm. out and like Persian people actually recognize me. Mm-hmm. I don't speak any Persian, and, right. but like people can easily tell that I have some kind of Persian genes. Okay, yeah. But my uh, my dad's very Dutch. You know, he looks very Dutch. He was blonde and he's tall and white, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I have his height and his bone structure. Right. Uh, but my mom's like you know Persian colors and uh, mm-hmm. and hair. Wow. So, yeah, you can see the mix. So, where did they meet? Uh, my dad ran away from home when he was 18. Okay. He saw some documentary about a kibbutz in Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he just, I think he stole a flight ticket from his job. He used to work for a travel agent and they screwed him over. So, he stole a ticket and then he just ran off and he flew to Israel. And mm-hmm. then he met my mom in the kibbutz where he was volunteering. Uh-huh. He married her. People really liked him, mm-hmm. and he was very charismatic. And the fact that he just up and left his life in Holland and moved to Israel and married this Jewish yes. Persian, yes. you know. Yeah. So people were quite okay with her. Mm-hmm. And also in Israel, there's this thing about, like, white people coming from abroad. Mm-hmm. They just instantly like them. It's kind of like with India, right? Yeah. You're a yeah. foreigner with white skin, and everyone mm-hmm. just loves you. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's kind of like that in Israel, this blonde young dude shows up and whisks away this, you know, young, beautiful girl. They're wow. like, oh, lucky girl. <laughs> uh-huh. And then uh, he took her back to Holland. Mm-hmm. And then they had two kids, mm-hmm. my brother and my sister. Then they went back to Israel again okay. because my mom was missing Israel. So they tried to build up uh, a life in Israel. Then they had two more kids, my brother and me. Uh-huh. And when I was a year old, they went back to Holland again. So I was oh, okay. born... In, in, Jerusalem. Uh, in Jerusalem, then we lived for a year in the desert in this place called Masua. And then when I was a year old, wow, we went back to Holland. That's where I grew up. So I had no memory of oh, Israel. Israel. And I grew up like uh, in a Catholic school speaking Dutch and English. So did you go back? To yeah, when I was 14, my mom decided to go back to Israel. Okay. And my dad at this point had been like moving around. He was working in Denmark and then he moved to Turkey. And then my mom was like, fuck this. If you're going to be <laughs> everywhere, then I'm just going to go back to Israel. So she went back to Israel and she took me because I was 14 underage, right? Mm-hmm. And all my siblings were over 18. Okay. So they stayed in Holland. She took me back to Israel and we ended up spread out all so over the world. So when did you go back to Israel? 14. No, uh, I mean, which year was this? Sorry. 97. 97. What this, was Israel like in 97? This is a roundabout way of trying to get to know how old you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> a lady never tells. Yeah, that's right. This is why we use this I never technique. asked. <laughs> a smart man. We use this technique, right? So this uh. is just a way of... No, but on a serious note. Uh, so what was Israel like in 97? You know, I was so traumatized by uh, the whole thing. I just locked myself in my room for like yeah, a year yeah. with my two cats that I brought from the Netherlands. Oh, you were traumatized with the move? Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to go, right? Because... I grew up in Holland. That's the only thing I knew. Mm-hmm. I was there from a year old. We'd always lived in the same house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had my grandparents living right next to me. I had all my cousins and my nephews and my nieces and my uncles and my aunties and all my friends and my school was there and I was having a great time at school and I was having a pretty nice life. And I had like a house full of my family, right? I had my dad and mm-hmm. my mom and my brothers and my sister. Everyone was there. And then she just took me. Mm-hmm. And I was like all alone in a country that I don't know <laughs> with a language that I don't speak and yeah. a culture that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And this weird house that's very different from what I know and this weird climate. It's like hot and sticky and the right. people are strange and like mm-hmm. in your face and aggressive. And 
Wow. And then I went to school like 10 days later and I was like, I don't even speak the language, man. Right. So I just kind of sat there in school staring into space. Mm. And they had never had any foreigners come to their school before. So I just sat there and nobody really paid attention to me because they didn't know what to do with me. Right. And then at the end of the year, at the exams, it was like, oh, she doesn't actually speak Hebrew. <laughs> we can't give her exams. So they just kind of gave me... You know, like a passing grade uh -huh. for half of all the subjects. And uh -huh. the other half, they gave me like an easy exam. And then they, you know, sent me off to another school. So that was traumatizing. But it, I think that's also the major thing that shaped me into I'm who sure. I am today, right? Because I'm that's sure. when I learned, like, you can put me anywhere in any circumstance and I'll be just fine. Because I had to do everything by myself, right? I mm -hmm. had only my mom there. And then my mom had, has a bunch of family in Israel that I don't really, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you they're family, but I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd met them, but I didn't grow up with them and I don't really know them so mm -hmm. well. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's not like it doesn't feel like you have family there. And my mom, obviously, I hated her guts because she took me to this country. <laughs> so I was all by myself and I somehow got through it. So, you know, it kind of instills very, very deeply into you this feeling yeah. of, you know, fuck everyone. Yeah. I can do it myself. Mm -hmm. So that's probably when I kind of became how I am today. The Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hey guys, I'm Noah and this is The Long Way Home. So tell us about India. What got you here? When did you get here? I'm in Israel, right? And I'm hating it and I'm traumatized and I hate my mother. Mm. So then I finish high school yeah. and I think, all right, as soon as I turn 18, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, right. So also I turned. Yeah, and I'm like getting letters from the army to get ready, and I'm like, fuck that, I'm not doing yeah. the army. So I go back, and you're supposed to have like a certain amount of time between when you finish high school and when you get drafted for the army. And for mm -hmm. some people, it's three months, for some, it's six and whatever. Yeah. So I had six months. They gave me my date. I yeah. had six months, and I was like, great, I'm going to go back to Holland. Yeah. I'm going to find myself a job and a place and a car and everything, and then I'm never going to come back. Mm -hmm. So I go back and for three months, I just fuck around and have a great time. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, I still have three months to find a job and find a place and everything. And then I get a, my mom calls me up from Israel. Oh, you got a, a letter from the army. Should I open it? She opens it and they moved my draft date to like then. Tomorrow. Okay. You should so be then I had a choice. I could either stay in Holland when I had no money, no support from my parents because they wanted me to go back. My siblings couldn't support me because my brother was like living in Spain and the other one was studying and my sister had like this tiny little apartment. She wasn't getting any support from my parents because they were hoping if she has a crappy time, mm -hmm. maybe she'll come live in Israel. Mm -hmm. So stay with nothing or go back or go back and do the army. And also in Israel, if you just kind of don't show up for your draft date, mm -hmm. then later on you can't come back in the country without getting hassled and, mm -hmm. you know, they might, like, uh, threaten you with jail time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, if I stay here and I don't make it and I don't make any money and then I go back in, like, a year or six months from now, they're just going to give me shit. So I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll just go and do the army then. Mm -hmm. So I went into the army, absolute waste of my time. A year yeah. and nine months where I could have actually, you know, studied, made money and developed myself. Instead, I just sat in an office. The only time I enjoyed was the first month because it was training, mm -hmm. and, like shooting guns and like, you know, they wake you up at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
they shout in your face and they make yeah. you run outside in your pajamas and stuff. And I really yeah. quite enjoyed that. And I was a yeah. great, I was great at shooting. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like the number one on the shooting range. Uh-huh. And then after the training month, they stick you in an office. Oh. And I did nothing. For so you that. weren't posted on the front line anywhere? No. Guns. So when people go, oh, she's been in the Israeli army, man. <laughs> it's not <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I just did my time. I had a, like little crosses on the wall, like, <laughs> oh, another day, another day, another day. <laughs> and then I left and I had no money. Yeah. <laughs> I had nothing. Why did they give you... Aren't you well paid? I got like 50 euros a month. That's like, what, 4,000 rupees yeah. a month. And I had to pay for my own petrol and my own food. You know, I was living at my mom's house. And so, wow. yeah, that was... Uh, so then straight out of the army, I just started working. And I worked my ass off for a year. What did you do? I worked in sales. Where? I'm absolutely going to hell. You know, I, I like <laughs> sold green card lottery to people around the world where they supposedly give away, America gives away an X amount of green cards to people. Oh! And there's a lottery, so you pay... Oh. Uh, whatever amount of money, and then if they, you know, if you if you get chosen, then you get a green card for the United States. I wonder if Donald listen. Trump listens to our show. We did it a few years ago, so yeah. So I did that for a while, but then at some point, you ask them, like, okay, did any of my clients actually win? And they're like, that's you know, that's classified, classified, classified information. <laughs> we can't tell you that. Like, and then you start thinking, oh, that's. Interesting, maybe this doesn't so add up. One year. Why did so, you leave? I, so I hated it, obviously. Oh, okay. I was making so much money because I was so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> And then after a year, I quit. Uh, I cashed in. I uh, had a bunch of money. And then I went back to Holland. And I don't even remember what I was doing. And then at some point, I get an email from some friends from Israel saying, we're going to travel to India. You should come. And I'm like, India, that's mm. so not my thing. It's been done to death. I'm really not interested. Yeah. Let me know when you get back. Maybe you guys can come to Holland and we can all meet up here. Yeah. And they just, you know, keep bothering me like, come to India, come to India. Come on, it'll be so much fun. We can all travel together. Yeah. And I was like, all right, great. I'll come for a month. We can all travel together. And then I'm going back to Holland and I'm <laughs> going to stay here. And then um, I buy a ticket for a month. I fly into Delhi and I take a bus straight away. Uh, as soon as I land to Manali, I meet up with my friends. Within two days, we all have a horrible fight and we split up. <laughs> and the whole like traveling together thing for a month is canceled. And I go to this guest house and I meet this random girl. And she starts telling me about this um, band that she loves who sing a song about a place called Rishikesh. And she says, I'm going to go there tomorrow. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, okay, great. Um, so I take a local bus to Rishikesh. I arrive in Rishikesh. That's it. I fall in love with Rishikesh. I stay there for three months. I don't move. And yeah, basically since then, that's 2006 at that point. And since then, I've been in India. I've just built my life around India. I'm always either here or I'm making my way back here. Right. Or yeah, it's just all about India. Namaste. 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 Biker Radio Broadcast. Oh yeah, so welcome back. And today we are with Noah van der Nijk, which means? Noah of the Oak Tree. Noah of the Oak, actually. Yeah. It's Dutch for of the Oak. Yeah. 
So I, I was wondering actually how many oak trees would there be in uh, Delft in Holland? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you remembered the name. And I was thinking about uprooting trees, you know, because Noah is pretty much like taken out of Holland right. in her uh, you know, early teens. And then you, and she's kind of, you know, stuck into Israel. I was just thinking it's quite like these trees that we are going to uproot in Delhi, 2,700 trees, you know. If are they, they being transplanted also? They are being uh, transplanted. Okay. Uh, so they are being taken care of in that sense. But, you know, we don't really know so much about trees. We know, at least now we know that trees have neural networks and they talk to each other, you know, to all the trees around them. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you can take them out, but uh, there's so much we don't know. I mean, wish the trees could just, you know, apply for a visa and run back uh, to where they would like to. But we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain uh, inevitability to how this is going human progress to human progress. Yeah, and uh, especially for a country like India, yeah. where uh, we are the number of people that we are. So, with a fractured identity of belonging and with distaste for war and violence, Noah leaves the promised land of Israel and sets sail for Dutch waters to Delft in Holland. Uh, she spends some time enjoying uh, the strobe waffles and uh, her family and everything else that that amazing country offers. Before, she succumbs to a bunch of Israeli friends who are after her life to visit India with them. And India as well. India, and she obviously takes a special liking for Rishikesh. So we asked her what it is about Rishikesh that she fell in love with. Hey guys, I'm Noah and this is The Long Way Home. So you like the vibe here, huh? I really do, yeah. India's magic. I don't think it's like an instant thing in Rishikesh. Mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's some kind of a vibe that kind of builds up over a period of time. So I came and I stayed in like Laxmanjula for a few days with this girl and then I ended up hating her and we split up and then I was met some other people and then some more people arrived and... And I just kind of, I was hanging around with them. And then I went on a little trip and a waterfall and a this. And then I was like, wow, I really like it here. And I'll <laughs> stay another week. And then oh, I'll stay another week. And then it was like, oh, shit, it's been three months. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how to explain it. Wow. You know, That's you fantastic. can say it's beautiful. You can say that about India as well. Oh, India is beautiful, but other countries are beautiful. Right. And still, I prefer India. You can say the food's great. Well, other food is great as well. I love Italian food. I love food in many countries, but still... I prefer India. The people are great. Yeah, people are great in wherever, in Scotland, and people are great in Holland, and people are great in many different places. And but Israel, still... Israel too? The yeah, people, pe- are people are great. They're difficult people, but they are great, mm-hmm. you know? they. I mean, people give... Uh, people talk a lot of shit about Israelis, especially in India. They do? No. Yeah, they really do. No They way. really do. And you And you see those places where there are signs that say no Israelis. No, but I've seen the other thing. I mean, no, on the contrary, on the it's contrary. like, you know, we have so much fun with Israelis. Yeah, there's a love-hate relationship there for sure. But I hear a lot of people talk shit about Israelis. And because I identify a lot as Dutch, because I grew up there wow. and because, you know, I moved to Israel kind of later on and against my will. So I really identify a lot with my Dutch side. I think right. that's also kind of, a, you know, like a... 
like automatic defense system like i'm not israeli you know <laughs> but i am i am half israeli and What's and the biscuit called which you keep on the top of a cup of coffee which kind of thing <laughs> i have no Melts idea down like that i have no idea but yeah so I, i can see ah stroopwafel that's yeah, the one. yeah yeah say that again stroopwafel yeah so i can kind of see it from both sides you know i can yeah. look from my dutch side and i can look from my israeli side and israelis can be difficult for people outside of israel but they're also the most warm and mm-hmm. accepting and they'll all they'll always be there for you and they'll always be fun to be around and if you get stuck somewhere and you need something It's the Israelis that are going to come and like pick you up and mi casa es su casa and mm. you can eat my food and yeah. you can sleep in my bed. And that actually happened to me when I came to Rishikesh right. because mm. this girl who took me there, who ended up being a bitch, she left the room and I couldn't afford to stay in that room by myself because oh. it was like the last available room in Rishikesh and it was really expensive. And then these guys next door, there were sleeping three guys in a bed mm. and they're like, you can stay in our room. So I just slept on their floor, ate their food, wore their clothes, and you know, we all hung out for a while until Is the guest house found out that we were sleeping four people in a two people room and they kicked <laughs> us out. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's like that, you know. It's really like that with Israelis. But yeah. when they get here they have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that's like I wonder if they skin. go Dutch. <laughs> No, you know that's that's the other thing about Jews, right? <laughs> they don't go Dutch. Yeah, which is, they don't. They they always go Dutch. They always go, <laughs> they Dutch. Always go Dutch. That's the Jews and money, right? You know, right? The Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Horn, please. आपको देखकर देखता रह गया. आपको देखकर देखता रह गया आगे थी ट्रक और मैं ऑटो फिलक आगे थी ट्रक और मैं ऑटो फिलक देखते ही देखते अपना ही गेम ओवर हो गया Hey guys, I'm Noah and you're listening to the Biker Radio broadcast. So that was Jamal Khan on uh, Horn Please with advice on distractions while you're riding motorcycles. Well, not only motorcycles. There can be other distractions like mobile phones. Okay. But if you're riding a donkey, distraction really won't matter, right? <laughs> So Horn Please is our way of promoting road safety by increasing safety awareness using our star voiceover artist Mr Jamal Khan. So welcome back to the long way home on the Biker Radio broadcast. I'm Sunny and I'm Shandy. And if you're new around here, Long Way Home is a first person story of a rider's life up to now. And today on the Biker Radio broadcast celebrating our first international woman rider on the show we have Noah Fondan Ike who after coming to India finds herself strangely attracted to motorcycling Hey guys I'm Noah and this is the long way home Were you motorcycling when you were 14 Definitely not Right No Okay um, So it's not this Jewish kid Uh, you know running around the keyboards with the motorcycle not that definitely one. not no okay. <laughs> motorcycle i i mean i never even knew much about motorcycling when i was a kid i remember being like 
12, 13, and any time a motorcycle would pass, my neck would like, you know, I would mm -hmm. I would just follow the motorcycle and I would be intrigued by the sound of it. Yeah. But that's it. I never thought about motorcycling. I never had any friends that had motorcycles. And then I came to India and then, you know, I sat on the back of some Enfields and that was pretty cool. And then, and then I was visiting my dad. My dad lives in the south of India now. Oh, yeah. Okay. He lives in Oroville. And I was wow. visiting my dad and I was on the back of his bike and it was late at night and we were driving on this little sandy road in the middle of nowhere, this little forest road. And I went, you know, I want to do that. And he just went like, okay. So he pulled over. He sat on the back. He let me sit in the front. He explained, oh, this is the gear. This is a brake. This is first. Do it like this. Do it like that. Okay, let's go. And we just went and he was on the back. So we drove around for a little bit like that. And then I said, okay, can you get off the bike now? And then he said, okay, let's do this. And then he put two sticks in the sand. And he said, when you can make an eight around these sticks without dropping the bike, then you can take the bike. Wow. So I dropped the bike once. And then I figured it out and I did a few eights. And then I showed him like, look, I can do eights without dropping the bike. And he said, okay, cool, you can take the bike. So I took the bike and I started riding around town. And then I realized, oh, I really, really like doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went back to Rishikesh. And then um, this guy was doing tours to uh, Ladakh. Mm -hmm. So I came along and I was on the back of the Enfield for the whole ride. And then I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to ride my own bike. Oh, So we came pillion. back. I was riding pillion. Because at this point, I had just been driving my dad's little, you know, 125 Hero Honda around Oroville. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to ride an Enfield to Ladakh. Right. You know, I was just like, oh, I enjoy riding, you know, little motorcycles around town. And then when we did the, the Enfield trip to Ladakh, I was like, this, this is what I want to do. So I came back and I bought an Enfield 350. I love my bike. I love riding. I take really good care of my bike. Whoa. And... You know, she just rides very well and very nicely, and I enjoy it very much. Yeah. Does she have a name? Yeah, her name is Snoopy. <laughs> Not like the dog. In <laughs> okay. Dutch, in Dutch, when you say Snoopy, it means sweetie. Oh, uh -huh. So when I bought my bike, I went on this ride with this Dutch biker, and we were sitting having a chai with our feet up, and my bike was parked just in front of us, and we were sitting there silently for a while, and then he took a sip of his chai, and he told me in Dutch... It is echt een snoepie, hè? She's a real sweetie, huh? And then I thought, ah, oh, that's that's so nicely put, you know? She is a real sweetie. I'm just going to call her sweetie. So I've I've taken my bike all over India and into Nepal, and everything's been great. And then I was in Rishikesh, and I was going to fly south to see my dad. Yeah. And I have this uh, little thing that I do when I'm just kind of sitting around my room by myself. I like to just open Google Maps. So I was looking on the map. And then I just started kind of connecting all the dots, like, oh, this would be a great ride, like right. go here and then south and then north and then west and then east. And then I thought I could do that, you know, just ride all the way up from Oroville to Rishikesh through all these nice places that I right. haven't been. And then I heard from this guy and he said, hey, I have a bike in Oroville and I live up in Chandigarh, so why don't you just ride my bike? So I thought, hey, that's a good idea. So I flew south. Picked up this bike in Oroville, and I uh, this white ride was going to be from Oroville, a little bit down south, and then up the west coast, all the way up north. 
And then I realized it was going to be a solo thing. So I was a little bit nervous about that because I've never done such a long stretch by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still, like, as a female on your own in India. So then uh, that kind of started going on in my brain. And then, <laughs> I don't know, it's just like it's been really interesting doing this solo ride as a female and I actually take great pride in it now and I'm really happy that I did it. I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way. Riding this whole country on my own, on an Enfield, through India has been just exhilarating and amazing and if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing and I wouldn't take anyone with me and I've just met the most amazing people along the road and even the little things, you know, like the other day, Where was I? I was in Ahmedabad, I think. Mm. Yeah, I was in Ahmedabad and I went to the step well because someone had recommended it and I was at the step well and then I just kind of took a little ride because it just seemed like a nice little place with nothing there and tiny little asphalt road, sunset and it was so beautiful and I was on my own and I was going like 30, you know, just like bump, 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 bump on the road and it was so beautiful and then I just kind of drove into this little village and apparently nobody had ever been over there on a bike or something. And everyone just kind of looked at me like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And then this woman came out. She was like in traditional dress and was kind of a poor village. And she just came out with like a bucket of clothes to hang. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she gave me this look. And then she went like, Psh, you know, and she gave me this like look of... Uh, validation or something and it's not like oh yay i'm being validated it's oh yay there's like a local village woman who's walking around barefoot in her sari hanging her washing looking at me on my enfield we're both women we're both here alone and she looks at me and goes yes you know and i love that look and i've just been getting that look from both males and females but for me it does something more when it's from Another female. Hoi allemaal, ik ben Noah en jullie luisteren naar Biker Radio Broadcast. So what is the ideas of March? Yeah, so I mean, very interesting idea, right? Yeah. They say beware the ideas of March. Right. Because uh, in the Western world, apparently, or in uh, in the time of Julius Caesar, yeah, things went crazy. He was killed, I think. Yeah. Fifteenth March. So what is AIDS? I mean, is it um, the intentions of, you know... So I think it's just... it's Ominous. It was like this culmination of the political climate, the uh-huh. real climate. <laughs> Hello, political climate. The real climate, <laughs> oh. the political climate, oh. the socio-political climate, this is like the a, economic climate. This is like a Deja Chu moment. Yeah, exactly. So the AIDS of March is hither? Julius Caesar is a sitter. And how are we doing on Twitter? Uh, Not very good. (laughs) Oh, by the way, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, the... Twitter handle? Twitter handle. Is at the rate B-R-R-O-D-C-A-S-T-1. Broadcast 1. Okay. So, thank you, Bob and Mandy, for having us over. For, uh, you know, cleaning off that room... (laughs) Setting it, making it really nice and comfortable and... Uh, Lovely pakoras. And the pakoras and the dinner and the drinks. And also thanks to... Angie. Angie. For dropping by. Yeah. So we caught up with Noah at our friend Mandy's place in Gurgaon. 
where Noah was on her 21st or 22nd day of her ride from Oroville in Pondicherry across to Goa, up the coast to Rishikesh. And we asked uh, Noah, what was the best part? And what did she say? She spoke about that uh, little trip between Ahmedabad and Udaipur uh-huh. and making that climb through the hill forest. Oh, right. And going into this tribal, uh, you know, family's house and having chana and just shooting the breeze. And uh-huh. Hey guys, I'm Noah and this is The Long Way Home. That was hands down my most amazing stretch of this whole ride. It was just, I went through this hill forest. It was just mind-blowingly beautiful. It was just like a biker's dream. Just little asphalt roads, little windy roads in lots of nature. And it was like you just traveled back a hundred years in time. You know, it's just like little mud shacks and buffaloes and chickens and people living in like mud houses and picking stuff and just quiet and there's nothing and nobody. It was just so beautiful. I swear I nearly started crying. It was so beautiful. It was like I was just looking around me thinking, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, this is why I love to ride Enfields in India. And I stopped somewhere to have a sip of my water, take a few pictures. Um, And then as soon as I stopped, like all these people kind of climb out of their house and start looking at me. And then this one guy like makes this hand signal, like, come. And he goes like, Chai Pilo. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of go over there and then his whole family comes out and they start giving me like chana that they just picked. Yeah. And they ask me if it's tasty and we all talk in Hindi because they don't speak English, right? And then yeah. it's these moments when I realize how valuable it is that I can speak Hindi, Hindi even though... I speak it so badly and I probably sound like such a retard when I speak it. But still, it's these moments when I'm standing there and instead of going like English, no, mm, blah, 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 I don't understand, you know. Instead, I'm having a conversation with these people which makes them look at me completely differently. It's just, you know, they... they, See, you speak in a dialect (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you're probably using (laughs) slang. (laughs) So then what And then what? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So then... <laughs> um, yeah, so it just like, yeah, they start talking to me, asking me where I'm from, why I'm there, if I like their chana, if yeah. it's tasty. And then I ask, like, is that kid yours? And he's like, no, that's my brother's, but he's working outside. And, right. and then... Um, uh, and then they tell me, you know, this is a tribal area. Yeah. And people don't come here and like foreigners don't come here and you're alone and you're a woman (laughs) and aren't you scared and this may be dangerous. And I think that's a very important conversation to be having with these people, Mm -hmm. right? Because especially in places like this, they look at a woman as, you know, part of a man, part of a household. And then they see a woman who's alone, who's in an area where there's, you know, nothing really... Yeah. You know, she maybe like shouldn't be there mm-hmm. and she's riding in Enfield and what is she doing? And all these girls and women and like small children look at me and suddenly they see something that is outside of their normal train of thought. Right. And mm. I think that's really important. They just saw something that they didn't think was possible or didn't think was, right. you know, 
like a yeah. UFO landing in their village. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool and important. And then I just sat, and then this other family told me, come, come to the house. And they asked me, aren't you hot? Because I was wearing like all this gear and it was yeah. really hot outside and I was standing in the sun and there was no shade anywhere because yeah. everything is just open nature there. Yeah. So they call me to the house and they give me cold water and I talk to the family and the grandmother comes over and the neighbors come over and the village kids come over and we end up sitting there with a bunch of people just like yapping away in Hindi. I understand like 20% of what these people are saying at this mm. point because they're talking really fast and they're talking in a dialect that I don't understand. Exactly. They're not even speaking Hindi. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, even though I understand a little bit still, it's, you know, yeah. kind of an amazing experience just sitting in their house. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so we eat some more chana, I have some more water, and then I tell them I should go because I still have a few hours to ride and I want to get to Udaipur. And they ask me, do you have a place to stay there? Yeah. And you should message us when you get there so yeah. that we know that you arrived safely, which is amazing. Did and you then, message? Uh, no, because they don't actually have reception there. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But uh, it was just a nice little... <laughs> yeah. אהלן חברים, אני נועה ואתם מקשיבים לביקר רדיו רודקאסט. So I keep driving and I get to Udaipur and I uh, want to go to the fort to see like a beautiful view and a sunset. And then they want to fucking charge me 300 and something rupees just to drive up the road. I don't even want to go inside the fort. I just want mm -hmm. to go up the mountain and have a nice view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm very particular about this stuff. Like I'm, I'm just not going to pay you that. Yeah. I just want to drive. So I turned around and I went back and then my guest house owner was this really nice guy. Mm. He told me, listen, there's this beautiful temple that is just the same height and you would have just the same view and they're not going to charge you anything. Mm. So he shows me where it is on the map and I put it on Google Maps and I drive there. Mm. And then Google Maps takes me to this like slum area mm -hmm. that is built up the hill mm -hmm. and is like really steep up. And, you know, I just kind of parked the bike there. And all these people are looking at me like, what do you want? You know, yeah. where are you going? And I say, thing. Mandir, Mandir. Uh. And they go like, yeah, upper, upper. So, uh. so I parked the bike. I put the, you know, the handle lock and everything. And I start walking up. And I feel really weird because I'm just walking in between these little houses. And mm -hmm. it just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And all these women are outside going like, And I'm like, Mandir, Mandir. So I walk up and it's just like, there's no path, you know, it's just like rocks and trees and bushes and like trash and little kids playing and pigs and whatever. And I ask the kids and they go, yeah, 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 up, 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 up. So I'm like climbing up this mountain and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere and i can kind of see that there's a temple at the uh, at the end of all this yeah so i'm climbing and it's super steep and i'm slipping and sliding and my jeans is like full of dirt and i'm like <clears throat> hurting my hands on the rocks and i see this like uh, you know the the shiva thing you know mm -hmm. that um, yeah so i see it and i'm like i can do this i can get there and i'm climbing and i'm sweating and i'm like and then i look down and i'm like fuck i'm really up like i don't know i'm gonna get down get back down so i get to the end and there's a massive wall around the temple and i can't climb this wall it's too high okay. and i'm like fuck so i start turning around and i try and like slide down on my ass yeah. but it's way too steep yeah 
So I just sit there, and then I look up, and there's this priest. Yeah. And he's just, like, at the end, staring over, but he's, like, doing his own thing. So I shout at him, oi, oi, oi. And he doesn't hear me, and then I sit there for five more minutes, and I'm just enjoying the view, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to enjoy the present and not think about the future. <laughs> Everything will work itself out. And uh, and then he turns around again, and I shout at him, and I, like, put my hands up, and I'm waving with my hands up, and he just, like, waves and dances back <laughs> at me. I'm like, I don't need you to wave and dance. I need you to answer my question. Where do I go? So... After a while, finally, he starts shouting at me, like, go right, go right, mm -hmm. steps, steps, steps. So I climb to the right. <laughs> and then after so some time, I see, like, this little path. Yeah. And I walk up the path. And the path so goes... So, you were going the wrong way, actually. There was completely. a path on the other No, the entrance to this temple is on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This little path that I took you was like... You should go back to your guy at the guest house again. You <laughs> 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 no, be friends with him. <laughs> He's actually so or nice. Or Google, man. Or, 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 yeah, it's Google. It's Google. Google fault. <laughs> so, uh, I, I go up and there's this tiny little gate... Yeah. And I open it and I go in and everyone oh. at the temple looks at me like, where the what? fuck did you just come from? Yeah. And it's this little back road that probably only the priest uses because mm -hmm. the normal entrance for the tourists and stuff is just in the front and it's like a proper paved yeah, yeah. little path with yeah. a railing and everything. Yeah. So I'm just like covered in sweat and dirt <laughs> and I'm exhausted and I go to the priest and like, say thank you thank you <laughs> and he looks at me like i'm crazy yeah. so i enjoy yeah. a gorgeous sunset up there and i walk down the same path because my bike is parked on that oh, side of the mountain good. right so i kind of slide down the little path oh, and God. as i'm coming down this woman that was like pointing me up to yeah. the temple looks at me and goes like, ah, did you go to the temple? Yeah. And I go, yeah. And she goes, I can see you're feeling hot. I'm like sweat dripping down my face, yeah? yeah. And she goes, why don't you sit here, Beto Beto? Yeah. So I sit and she says, do you want some cold water? Yeah. And she gives me some cold water. And then she yeah. goes, do you want to have some chai in my house? Yeah. And I go, yeah. So I go inside the house and it's all these houses that are like built up on a really steep slope, right? So it's yeah. all built like one on top of the other. Mm -hmm. So there's one room, some stairs, another room, some stairs, another room, some stairs, a balcony. Wow. And it's so cute. Wow. So I go inside and her daughter makes me a chai. And then the neighbor comes and the neighbor tries to get me to her house. And yeah. we're all speaking Hindi. And yeah. at this point... I think their dialect was just a lot easier for me to understand because okay. I could understand like 90% of what they were saying. Right. We were having, we were sitting there talking for like two hours, just wow. yapping away in Hindi, having amazing conversation about their whole family history and my family history. I was showing them pictures of my sister and my nephews and my, uh, my whole family. And then they made me food. Mm -hmm. And then we just all sat there, the whole family and the kids and the neighbors just having food and having chai and talking and laughing and taking selfies. And it was yeah. just wonderful. And now just today, she actually wrote me a message. Yeah. You know, you came here and it felt like you were one of us and now we miss you. Wow. And she writes me in Hindi, right? But mm -hmm. she writes it in like really easy Hindi because she knows otherwise I can't understand. And mm -hmm. I just think that that's so... I don't even have a word for it. It's mm -hmm. just incredible. Like that stuff only happens to you in in India, right? It's just incredible that you're walking up a mountain and then you end up spending two hours with a whole family, and then they just kind of open up to you like that. Yeah. So that was incredible.
the biker radio broadcast listen connect right on coming up now we have got my way and we've got these two guys sukesh and uh, rohit rohit uh, who's misfit magellan if you want to check him out on instagram that's one word misfit magellan yeah and uh, they're doing this amazing trip for 2 years they're actually filmmakers mm-hmm. and they're doing this uh, trip across south america for 2 years and they're just 25 year olds Uh, and uh, Sukesh is, of course, his old buddy who got in touch, and they they're doing this. And but later on, sometime, um, and he tells us about it. Rohit is going to do that same trail, the Ushuaia to Alaska. Yep, he's going to go from the south to the north. Yeah. So coming up is my way. My way. Hey, I'm Rohit Subramanian. from chennai i'm on my way uh, i've been on the roads for the past 3 years riding around 38 countries that started off in india went around southeast asia then to europe and now in south america so south american road trip starts in colombia in medellin um, all across colombia the east west north south of colombia for 45 days I exited colombia came to ecuador and that's where we are right now In Ecuador we're in this place called Cotopaxi. It's a volcano that's not been active for a while but it's beautiful. Um the road trip continues from here to um, Peru and then towards Bolivia and then I head down all the way to Argentina and make my way up to Alaska which would take roughly 2 years from now. Uh the simple idea of South America always fascinated me and uh, South America was never a dream that I wanted to do by myself. Hence a filmmaker friend of mine Sukesh Vishnath came on board and started this trip together. Sukesh is joining me till Bolivia. That's a few more months from now and uh, he's going back and we're doing a documentary film along the way. We both met in a shoot a few years ago and uh, stayed in touch for a long time and that's how we got into this. And we're on the roads for close to two and a half months now. Uh, we're riding a Yamaha XTZ. I'm riding an Yamaha XTZ. He's riding a Tenere 250 Yamaha. We've done close to 5000 kilometers so far that's covering the whole of Colombia and half of Ecuador we have another 5000 kilometers to go till we split ways and then i have another i don't know 75000 kilometers more all the way to alaska maybe but yeah that's the road trip overall in terms of distance where are we right now what's my view in front of me i am in front of cotopaxi the volcano uh, the cloud is just clearing up and uh, we can see the mountain we can see the volcano it's beautiful it's cold it was 4 degrees in the morning and uh, we're just sleeping in this really cozy house outside this cozy house in a tent <laughs> it's good fun as always this is bro it's bramanian i'm on biker radio broadcast and this is my way my way the biker radio broadcast listen connect right on Hey guys, I'm Noah and this is the long way home. I mean listening to you it sounds as though everything's been just the most amazingly beautiful safe experience. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. But uh yeah, when people hear that I'm riding on my own through India, the first thing that they ask me is uh, isn't it dangerous, you know, are you safe? Right. When I started riding what kept happening was like I would rock up at some guest house and I would walk in and go like can I have a room and they're like okay how many people I'm like me okay where is your you know husband mm-hmm. 
I'm, it's just me. Okay, so who's riding the bike? I'm like, I am. And they're like, wait, what? You're alone? Yeah. So whose bike is it? I'm like, my bike. Okay, so who's driving? I'm driving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was that was the conversation that kept happening. Like yeah. people would just not, you know, they you wouldn't couldn't register. grasp. Wouldn't register, right? Yeah, they just it can't. That can't be possible. Like if you're here and the bike is here, then who is driving the bike? And it's yeah. just that same conversation. And people wouldn't take me seriously. They would laugh or whenever anything goes wrong, then it's, ah, ha, ha, you're a woman, you're a girl. But that doesn't really happen so much anymore. Okay. And I think mostly what's different is just technology. Because the fact that I rock up in, in Ahmedabad and I don't have to walk around and ask for a guest house mm -hmm. and like be in a position where... I need to be approached by people that will go like, oh, yeah, come with me, come with me. Mm -hmm. But I can just go on like oh, booking.com, oyo, mm -hmm. make my trip, whatever, check on Google, what kind of guest houses are around, what are the prices, mm -hmm. what are the deals of the day, mm -hmm. which ones are open to international guests. That makes it so easy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't spend more than like half an hour looking for a place to put my head at mm -hmm. night, you know, mm -hmm. which is an amazing thing. Yeah. I've been lucky. I, you hear stories about what other people are going through and, you know, that's just terrible. But yeah. I've been welcomed. Mm. I've been smiled at. I've been mm. helped. I've had, like, guys ride next to me, honk, yeah. and just go, like, yeah, yeah. good for you. Yeah. You know, good luck. Where are you going? Rishikesh, that's amazing. Have an amazing ride. And then they just ride off. You know, that's amazing. Even though on this trip I've been alone for three weeks and, you know, I haven't felt unsafe a single moment. I have had like negative experiences in India, yeah, and that's yeah. important to say because yeah, yeah. you sure you do need to be, you know, apprehensive mm -hmm. as a woman. I do dress differently. Mm -hmm. I do speak differently. I do act differently when I'm alone as a woman in India, and that's sad. But it just is the way it is. And if I go against that and I just go like, well, fuck that. If I want to wear a tank top, I'm just going to wear a tank, tank top. And, you know, women are equal and we should be able to do. And it's true. We should be able to wear and do whatever we want. And right. if somebody touches me because I'm wearing a tank top or shorts, then that's not my fault. And it's not like a woman's fault when you hear these stories about like girls who were hitchhiking at six in the morning and picked up by a trucker and then he raped her. So, yeah, obviously it's a fucking dumb thing to do to hitchhike on your own as a female at six in the morning and then taking a lift from a trucker who's probably drunk. So, yeah, that's a dumb decision, but it doesn't mean that it was her fault. And it's really sad and terrible that this shit happens and it happens too often in this country. But it just is the way it is and you need to be able to adapt yourself. So I adapt myself and I dress more conservatively and I kind of keep my mouth shut maybe a little more often than I would in Europe. And yeah, I get my ass grabbed all the time. And I in get Europe? no <laughs> in India. Oh. Like, you know, people are constantly trying to touch you. People are always staring at me. People right. are always like I had a eleven year old boy where, where where is this happening? All over India. I had an eleven year old boy in Tamil Nadu offer me sex mm. the other day. Mm. Which is just mind-boggling, right? Mm. I was just, I, I was so shocked I didn't even answer him. I just kind of stared at him for a while. I was just, I couldn't believe this was happening. And just like, you know, random dudes just yeah. talking to me in a way that, you know, that would just never happen in, in Europe or 
Yeah. I don't know in other places and and yeah, I've I've been um, I've been jumped uh, in my first year in India. I was walking in the dark and I had some uh, some guys with me and they said, "Should we walk you to your room?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "No, nah, it's fine. It's like 9:30. Don't worry about it. It's not the middle of the night. It's fine. I'm just going to go." And I was wearing a skirt, mm-hmm. a long skirt, but a skirt, and I was wearing a tank top, a mm-hmm. white tank top. So it kind of stood out a little bit in the dark. So they said again, are you sure? Do you want us to walk you back to your room? And I said, no, it's really fine because I have like this feisty attitude, right? Like, come on, who's going to mess with me? I'm going to punch you in the face. So mm-hmm. I was always kind of like, no, no, no. I don't want anyone to protect me. I can handle myself, which is, you know, dumb in, its, in itself. But I'm, I sent them away and I walk up the mountain and suddenly there's a power cut in like all of Rishikesh. So all of Rishikesh goes dark in a mm-hmm. second. There's no street lights and it's kind of a dodgy little area that I'm walking through anyway. Mm-hmm. And it just goes pitch dark and I can't see anything. I can't see my hand in front of my face. I can't see where I'm going. And it's this road that's going up the mountain. And if you step kind of in the wrong direction, you're going down the cliff. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just walking like really slowly. And, I, and this is 2006. So people are not like walking around with cell phones with a torch, you know, and I didn't have a torch. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking slowly, slowly trying to figure out where the road is. And then I hear... The Biker Radio Broadcast. Listen, connect, ride on. Hey guys, I'm Noah and this is The Long Way Home. So I'm walking slowly, slowly trying to figure out where the road is. And then I hear some running behind me. And I'm like, ah, they're probably in a hurry or something. I'm not even thinking it might be something negative at this point because I'd never had something bad happen to me till then. Mm. So I'm thinking, oh, some people are running behind me. They're probably in a hurry to get somewhere. And I keep walking, and then they jump me, two guys, one, like, really exceptionally big guy, especially for Indian standards, mm-hmm. really big guy, and one kind of just average guy. And they put their arms around me, and they're drunk, and they start, like, talking to me. So I'm like, what, what the fuck do you want? Get off of me. And they talk to me in Hindi, and they're, like, getting closer and closer, and I tell them, you know, fuck off, go away. Mm-hmm. And then one of them puts his arms like all around me. So he's closing off my arms. I can't move my arms. Mm. And then the other guy starts feeling me up. Mm. And then the guy who's like holding me, he wants his turn, right? Mm. And at this point, I'm shouting like, you know, whatever comes up in my mind. I'm like shouting, I have a knife. Be careful. I'm going to stab you, whatever. And this other guy, he uses one of his hands because he also wants to feel me up. So he feels me up. But it means that he's left one of my hands free, right? So I punched the guy in the face and they were so shocked that I would actually do something to defend myself that they just like stood there for a second, just looking at me like, what did you just do? And I just ran in that second. I just ran into the dark. I had no idea which way I was going. It was so dark. I, you know, I could have easily run just down the cliff and killed myself, but I just made a run for it. And that's when I understood, like, there's no point being all like, who's going to mess with me, blah, blah, blah. Fuck it. I can wear a tank top and a skirt if I want to. Now, I would never do that. I would never walk alone in the dark late at night in, like, you know, kind of showing some skin and tell people, no, you don't need to walk me back to my room. I just don't do that anymore. Mm. And I think because I'm making different decisions, 
I'm also having a different experience in mm. India. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are plenty of girls who are wearing like skirts and shorts and or are just exceptionally beautiful and blonde and blue eyes, which is very like, you know, people in India kind of go nuts for that blonde shit. Mm. So I'm sure they're having different experiences than me. And they think that everyone's out to get them and everyone wants to grab them. So like if 10 years ago, my ass got grabbed like 10 times in a day in Rishikesh. Now it doesn't, doesn't happen anymore because (laughs) I live differently. I behave myself differently in Rishikesh. So, and I think also things have changed. Yeah. Over the years, I think it's, people are getting more used to foreigners and girls and skin and modern, you know, uh, women and, yeah. the way they handle this themselves yeah. and also you know i think it's just i don't know just things change over time oh. so i think it's just everything together but yeah it's just yeah, but we are such a diverse lot you know all kinds of people all kinds of like in all kinds of places yeah like you, you've been through Rajasthan and had such a great time. Yeah, it's definitely if I'm in Goa, I can walk around in a short dress, you know, and like, you know, <coughs> I can wear pretty much whatever I want, yeah. which I would never do if I'm somewhere else. Yeah. You know, in Rajasthan, I can walk around in a tank top and yeah. Ahmedabad, maybe I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, in Oroville, I can pretty much wear whatever I want because it's yeah. lots of foreigners. Yeah. Yeah. If I go out to Pondicherry, maybe I would dress differently. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, so you learn to navigate. You know, you know. I definitely have learned to navigate. I mean, I did things. I look at them now and I think, what the <laughs> fuck were you thinking? <laughs> when I was twenty-three, yeah. I crossed the border between Nepal and India on a cart behind a donkey, yeah. wearing like tights yeah. and a really tight tank top. Yeah. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I was on my own, and it was just guys with me. And then they dropped me at the border and the border was closed. So I just sat there on the side of the road by myself in these clothes being like a 23-year-old chick. And now I'm thinking like, Jesus Christ, I would never do that again. Never. So now when I go on a train or on a local bus, I cover myself and I don't sit next to guys. And, you know, I kind of hang out in the part of the train where the women are or the families are Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know... People do stupid shit when they're young. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Noah and you're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. So what's with the donkey? You know, it seems to keep coming back onto the show. Yeah, I mean, this is the first, was the first for us. Yeah. So, but by the way, you know, through the week I have been uh, uh, pinging Noah every now and then uh-huh. and trying to figure out all the you know, places on the maps and things and that. So she sent me a link of Masua, which was village tha na, jahan pe, uh, in the desert where these guys set up. Right. And I realized that it is that part of Israel which, you know, it's completely deserted and you're kind of drawing water from the Jordan River mm-hmm. and you're using drip irrigation to cultivate the desert and convert it into green. And when you zoom in on Google Maps, you actually see the green. And it's amazing. I mean, wish we could do that and hopefully they're doing that in Rajasthan now. I mean, given the way that things are going, yeah, we're going to pretty much need that kind of we do need yeah. technology to be adapted uh, and used uh, extensively. What I don't understand is how we are taking this Aravlis apart. Yeah. I mean, and this is organized crime. It's you know everybody's involved, and everybody's been been involved. Not only just is involved, been involved. 
it's over the years i mean like governments after governments after governments everyone's involved in this uh, you know tearing down the the oldest mountain we have in the country and they're the oldest in the world in the world there's nothing older than the than the world in the world wow they're the oldest uh, geological formation in the world and think of it it's only because of the aravallis is why the desert hasn't walked in because if you look at the desert it starts all the way from sahara if you look on google map you know from the north almost like uh, algeria and just comes all the way across africa into the arabian peninsula into through iran through uh, pakistan and then into india and it stops right here across the road literally across the road yeah and if this aravalli goes then you can forget faridabad and onwards to merat sherat and right into the pindari glacier tak you can just imagine what what a wipe out it would be yeah and uh, to 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 think that uh, india's uh, population lives in the gangetic plain yeah this is the single largest threat i would imagine taking out the aravallis yeah i mean if you take out the aravallis you can't stop the desert from progressing yeah fir sting ke tarah khade reh jaoge i dream of rain ele ele chanale ele vole karte reh jaoge hey guys i am noa and this is the long way home There's this place in Rishikesh called Rishikesh Animal Care. Mm-hmm. And it's this American woman named Grace and she takes care of like a lot of animals in Rishikesh. Okay. So I I had this idea one day where I thought imagine if there are people I was kind of thinking of Santosh, right? Santosh of mm-hmm. MTM. So he really loves dogs and animals yes. and he really loves motorcycles yes. and I really love animals and dogs and motorcycles and I thought I'm sure there are more people like that. Imagine how cool it would be if you did a motorcycle trip. Let's say you have a day trip, a two-day trip, a five-day trip, a 10-day trip, a trip to Nepal, whatever, and you all get this little box like a a medicine box with all the stuff for all the dogs and all the animals that you you see along the way, right? So treatment for mange, uh flea mm-hmm. powder, uh all that basic stuff for animals like bandages, uh proper food, vitamins, and you just take these boxes you put them on the bikes and you put like stickers on the bikes rishikesh animal care motorcycle tours mm. and you just go touring for the day and then any dog that you see in need you have the medication the food and everything that you need to take care of them so you would walk up to rishikesh get a one day training from grace or whoever and learn how to take care of sick puppies and everything and then go on like a 5 day motorcycle tour and take care of all the animals you see along the way and document it and speak to all the local people so that the people know who is taking care of these animals and then run these tours all the time yeah but i have so many of these ideas yeah. there's so many things you can combine with riding motorcycles yeah. it's just and in india you know yeah. imagine like riding for peace you know and just having all these people ride into kashmir and ride into yeah. Pakistan. Yeah. I would actually love to ride into Iran. So imagine how amazing it would be if yeah. I would ride into Iran on a motorcycle if I would yeah. get permission to do that. Yeah. And have a sit down yeah. with Iranian women. And it's such a nice thing to combine the things that you love. So women empowerment and motorcycles, animal care and motorcycles, uh temples and motorcycles, right? Do a temple tour. There's so many beautiful temples around Uttarakhand that people don't know about and we've been doing this uh 
like waking up for sunrise and riding up in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. But even just in Uttarakhand, like I can wake up in my own house at 4.30, 5 o'clock, get on the bike, ride up in the dark, which is so beautiful, and go see a different temple every single morning for sunrise. Right? So you can combine motorcycling with so many beautiful things in life and just create magic. You just did. You just <laughs> did. You know, I think I finally figured out why you're called Noah. Why? You're an angel. <laughs> why? Is Noah an angel? No. Is there yeah. an angel called Noah? So Noah kind of saved the animals, right? Oh, right. <laughs> but I did so without an H, yeah? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been uh, a fantastic time talking to you. Yeah, really. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for being on Biker Radio Rod. Thank you for being on the Biker Radio Rod. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me. Hoi allemaal, ik ben Noah en jullie luisteren naar Biker Radio Rodcast. That's it. That's it. Show some up. Show some up. And thanks to Akshay, one of our uh, respondents on Twitter. Oh, yes. Uh, so we don't normally, we were excited because we don't normally get any response from anybody on social media. And little criticism. But it was very nice for him to get back to us, even though it hasn't really led to anything as of now. Yeah. But uh, we're open to all kinds of suggestions. This He's probably telling us to shut up. You know, we're talking too much, maybe. No, but that's all right. I mean, yeah. I mean, people show other people are talking. So. so this is the only time that we'll, you know, kind of have to put it out. Yeah. So, uh, so that was a great show. That was a great episode with uh, Noah. Oh, yes. Uh, but guess what? We completely forgot to speak about chicks on bikes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So, so, <laughs> we, so, should, we should. <laughs> no, but, you know, how did you miss it? I don't know. I missed it. Chicks on bikes. <laughs> so getting back to chicks on bikes, uh, this is uh, Noah's uh, venture. Yeah. Noah and a friend of hers. And a friend of hers. Yeah. So it's motorcycling tours into the mountains and all across India for women. Yes. And uh, Chicks on Bikes is on Facebook. Yeah. You can uh, look up and, um, you know, start a conversation with uh, Noah on it if you're interested. And uh, for the guys, uh, there's lots of other uh, groups that uh, keep will we'll keep figuring in our uh, episodes. Yeah. Some have already and some uh, I'm sure will as we go forward. So, uh, boys, you stay out of it. Yeah. Uh, Tumara puncture ho gaya. I know. Achha, listen, by the way, uh, so this Chicks on Bikes mein ek aur cheez hai. Ke, you know, it's about women kind of sharing thoughts and saying that if I, if I land, if somebody lands up in a city and she puts out a message saying, hi, I'm here. Yeah. And then anybody who wants to get together, then they kind of get together and they ride out or do whatever, or even swap bikes or, you know, many possibilities. So they're exploring what all it could be but right now they're focusing on uh, mostly rides all over India and wherever so check it out Chicks on Bikes and uh, Isi Ke Saath Ides of March Ides of March let's march let's march ahead into April into May into June so that's it show some up if you want to whatsapp us the number to whatsapp us is 89202 76675 and our email ID is mail at broadcast.com M-A-I-L at the rate B-R-R-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com 
Thank you for listening in. Thank you. Over and out. Over and out. Over and out. Over and out.
Hello, 